Well, friends, it's good to be with you in worship today. My name is Adam. It's my joy to be one of the pastors at our church. I also want to welcome everybody who is online or will experience this message on our podcast or our website later on this week. I have been a Missourian my whole life. I don't know about you. We've got folks from from all over that are a part of our church. But I think if I lived any other place, I would really miss the seasons. Like in the Philippines, there's really two main seasons. Uh, The rainy season from June to November and the dry season from December to May. I like a little more wide variety. Like here in Kansas City, we get a little bit more. So last August, I think we had an event that day outside, actually. I don't know if you remember, the heat index was 122. And then fairly recently, about a week ago, it was minus 35. We get the whole range here in Clay County, right? I think most Midwesterners love all the seasons, except I know one person who doesn't. And so my wife, you may love her singing. You may not love this. Check it out. All right, Sarah. Hi, everybody. What is your favorite season? Summer. Okay. What is your least favorite season? Fall. Hmm. Fall? Don't most people love fall? Yeah, I don't know why. It's terrible. It's, it, it really is the worst, and I can give you so many reasons why. What about the changing leaves? No, no, because they get messy all over the place. And when you ask someone their favorite color, who says brown? Brown is not a favorite color. It's gross. Why don't you like fall? Okay, because from one day to the next, you don't know, is it going to be 80 degrees or is it going to be 40 degrees? And like, oh, do I need to bundle four layers or do I need to wear a tank top? What about fire pits? Oh, your hair smells like it for days. What about football? Uh, um, go sports. What about pumpkin spice? Who? Okay, pumpkin spice is gross. Who decides, oh, I'm going to have a nice treat. Here's a gourd. I'm going to eat this pumpkin and add all of these spices to it. Gross. Like nutmeg and allspice. Those are disgusting. They are so gross. This has been Sarah's hottest weather takes. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Shame. (laughs) My wife thinks fall is the worst season. Now it's out in the open. It's out in the open. So in Missouri, our seasons are marked by different elements, right? Rising or falling temperatures, different amounts of precipitation. Are the leaves budding or falling? So how do we mark different seasons in our lives? And what do we do as they're changing? What I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that after milestones, lament what has been and lean into what is. In this series, we're starting 2024 thinking about what's next. And today, our subject is milestones. What's next after a milestone in your life? Births, deaths, celebrations, graduations, marriages, divorces, relationships forged or relationships broken, sickness or diagnoses, successful treatments, new careers, careers being terminated, retirement, success, defeat, the list could go on and on. And in our scripture, we're going to see a pretty exhaustive list of what we can experience in life. Because life is punctuated by these milestones that mark the beginning or an end of a season. The book of Ecclesiastes famously declares that whatever season we find ourselves in, God is over and above all of them. Written about a thousand years before Christ, tradition tells us that Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, who is known not only as a son of David, but known for his wisdom and his wealth. Solomon's great gift was his wisdom, and there are three books in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, that are attributed to Solomon. And collectively, with a couple other books, they're known as the Wisdom Writings. It's said that 
uh, Solomon wrote Song of Songs or Song of Solomon about love when he was young, that he wrote Proverbs about advice when he was middle-aged, and that Solomon wrote reflections about life in the book of Ecclesiastes when he was old. Roughly translated from the ancient Hebrew, the word Ecclesiastes means teacher. And it's about the meaning of life. It's not the sunniest book you'll read in the Bible, which means it has the ring of truth to it. And the author captivates the grand spectrum of the human experience. He captures it in chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. You may have heard these before. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Now, when you analyze the structure of this poetic writing, these are things that are in paired opposites. It's written like a poem of opposite things, planting and uprooting, tearing down or building up. And the poem goes back and forth between desirable things and undesirable things, constructive and destructive things. And another fascinating layer is that all of these pairs are mutually exclusive. You can't do any of them at the same time. Since this was written about 3,000 years ago, what would have been plain to the people who originally heard it, we have to work a little harder to understand. Right? Like, it sounds odd. What, what, why so much talk about stones or gathering them or scattering them? Well, if you were going to plant a field in ancient times, you first would gather all the stones out of it in order for you to till it. And if you really wanted to mess with your enemies, you would go to a field that belonged to a Buffalo Bills fan and you would put all the stones in the field. We also read about a time to kill and a time to hate. Now, I don't believe scripture is giving us license to hate or to murder. Jesus, much later, would explicitly restrict and ban those things, forbid those things specifically. I believe the point of this poem in the context of Ecclesiastes is that in these paired opposites is the breadth of the human experience, everything under heaven and that God is over and above them all. Biblical scholar uh, Ronald Murphy said, the meaning of the poem as a self-contained unit appears to be that the joys and sorrows of life come from the constructive or destructive actions and from separations and unions caused by love and hate on the individual and social levels. So what milestones mark the start of a new season for you? And wherever we find ourselves, how do we experience God in every season? I had a friend tell me about someone they know who kind of divides their decades of life up into to five-year periods. And in the first five years, they, they, they sprint and work hard. They strive and persevere. They initiate a lot of things. And then for the next five years, they kind of take a step back and they refresh and reflect and appreciate the growth that they've experienced. A time to work and a time to rest. Now, you may not have such a specific plan uh, as you divide up your life. You may not, you know, half your decades so evenly. But how do we define 
the different seasons we experience in life. I think the word season is, is one you might hear a lot in Christian circles. Well, how do we define that? I would say that a season is simply a period of time. And just like our seasons in Missouri are marked by different elements, I would offer that the seasons in our lives are marked by different things too. Is the season that you're in right now one of a long duration or a short one? Now, you may not know. You may not be able to define that until afterwards. Is the season you're in marked by rapid onset? Did it come on quickly or did it come about gradually? Are the circumstances that are defining your season, are they, were, are they within or outside of your control? Or maybe a mix. That's how it usually works, isn't it? And is your season marked by a choice that you made? Did you walk into this with intention? Or is, is, is this the result of choices other people made? My hope is that these things can help us define and recognize different milestones in our lives when we think about these criteria. Right? There's certain things that, that mark our lives. My, my wife's family, they had a house fire in the 1990s. And they described their family this way, well, before the fire or after the fire. I don't know if you have one of those. My wife lived for three months in a hotel. So that's a relatively short duration. Certainly the fire was a rapid onset. And certainly not by their choice. And the circumstances of the house fire were beyond their control. So we can kind of sort out what brought us to the season we're in. We can almost kind of maybe categorize it a little bit. My friends Riley and Mark, they got married in October. The plan is for it to be a long duration, amen? And so this is something they planned for a long time. The wedding certainly came together gradually, didn't happen rapidly. Riley and Mark's choices were the reason they got married. And the circumstances were, let's say, mostly within their control. How about that? They were mostly in their control. So these milestones are a big deal and they mark our lives. And I think it's important that we, that we recognize these milestones and how God is over and above and in them all, working in the midst of them. These are my friends, the Prathers. We have Andret and David. We have Cole and Cole's wife, Hannah. Claire and Carter. In the last couple of years, Cole's gotten married, Claire's in graduate school, and Carter just headed off to prestigious Central Methodist University. So they're racking up the milestones, right? The last three or four years, they've been rattling them off, haven't they? And so I asked the Prathers, I asked David and Andrette how they thought this new phase of life was going to go with all their children now out of the house. What were they concerned about? David wondered if they were still compatible, like when they first got married. Andrette responded, it's just David. I asked what they were looking forward to, and David said that it was only us together. He was looking forward to that, and I thought it was really sweet. Andrette said with a little heart emoji, the same answer. What was she looking forward to? It's just David. Oh, oh. Now, I heard this phrase. The reason I really wanted to get their input on this is because I heard this phrase that Andrette has, has used to describe their, their new season, this milestone. Instead of empty nesters, she calls them bird launchers. And I just thought that was fantastic. Right? Empty nester sounds so negative, and instead they're launching into this next phase of life. So now they get to see how their kids apply 
everything they've tried to give them and teach them. And they remarked that it's fun to watch them fly. I asked what advice they had, David and Andrette had, for people who will be in or are in this same phase. And they said to be intentional with each other and don't make any hasty uh, or, or drastic decisions. And then to all of us adult children, they said, go easy on your parents. Let them love you. The joy, the hugs, the tears, just let them do it all. Now, they had two recommendations uh, upon this new phase of bird launching. The first was to get a dog, have an organism to care for so that you can still nurture something. And if all possible, schedule a vacation immediately after your last child goes off to do whatever they're going to do so that you don't immediately return to an empty house. I thought that was really wise. Now, here's what I love the most. When I asked how they felt God leading them through this next milestone, they said, God has led, led us in everything, and this phase is no different. I thought that was so good. So for the Prathers, a lot is changing. They're going to have a long duration of no more kids at home, probably the rest of their lives. That's the plan. Talk about onset. They could have seen empty nesting coming for decades. Right? They could have seen this coming 20 years ago. In terms of choices, it's a mix between their own and their children. Now, anyone with kids knows that circumstances are largely out of our control and our kids are going to make their own choices as it should be. But the Prathers recognize God's presence through it all. And I think that's what's so important, that as we encounter these milestones and we wonder what's next, that we first recognize God's presence in the midst of whatever season we find ourselves in. Good, bad, and everything in between. You ask my wife about her, a lot of Sarah content today. Uh, this is going to be, this is going to get a lot of hits on the podcast. I feel like, uh, really pump up the numbers. Um, I asked Sarah, well, you know, I was searching for a, a really punchy sermon point. Like what was there redeeming about the house fire? What did you learn? What was, what was the silver lining? There wasn't one, you know, she had her, she had her third grade birthday at the hotel pool. That's fun. You know what she'd rather have had all their stuff and the memories attached to it. She'd have preferred not to have gone through that. Now, decades later, as a teacher, she had a student that, it, that was going through a similar experience. And she was able to sit and listen to them and comfort them and to say to them, you're going to get through this from a place of authority and experience. Sometimes even terrible milestones can lend others strength, and that may be the only redeeming thing about them. And so how God is involved in or, or, or um, kind of moving the pieces around or causing these things that happen, I mean, it's largely mysterious. And so sometimes it's, it's hard to look for something positive as, as, as we're moving on from something. Other times, even incredibly positive milestones can still mean the loss of something else. So I think it's vital that as we enter from one season to the next, we recognize the milestones that mark these changing seasons. That we would lament what has been and lean into what is. Every milestone might not involve obvious loss, but in my experience, almost every type of change does involve some type of loss. This is captured well by the 1990s philosophers who sang closing time. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Now, even things like graduating, what a, what a wonderful milestone. That's probably going to mean you're going to be parting ways with lots of people you care a lot about as you all go and do whatever's next. 
Now, friends, I'm not suggesting that you bring a box of Kleenexes to a graduation party, but I just, I just think it's important to acknowledge what is and to limit the things that we're losing as we transition from one season to the next. I think it's important to recognize, name, and lament loss. Psalm 139 says that, God, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. God deals in and dwells in reality. And so we're not going to give God anything that will surprise God. When we acknowledge or, or, or give to God the, the, our frustrations, our questions, our worry, our lament about what we've lost, God is large enough and strong enough to receive all of those things. And so I don't know if you need to write it down, if you need to tell a trusted friend, if you need to talk to one of your pastors. It's important to lament and acknowledge reality, whatever heartbreak we're experiencing over what has been or what we're losing that never came to be in the first place. Now, at the same time, when we encounter a milestone that marks the changing of one season to another, there's no use in dwelling in the past. We need to lean into what is. What possibilities might God have for us in this new season if we would only trust God enough to do it? You know, the Prathers could sulk in an empty nest or they could be excited about the new margin they have in life. I was so thrilled to, to get a request for uh, a referral or, or a, a reference for David for the Patch program. Patch is a program that helps transport children to visit their mothers who are incarcerated. And so David and Andrette could fill their spare time with all sorts of stuff. But they're choosing to make themselves available to God and to other children to serve them in this new season. Now, we may not know the duration of a season. It may come upon us quickly. We may not have much choice in it. Circumstances may be out of our control. But whether or not we will lean into trusting and loving God more is within our control. This is my sister-in-law, Amanda. And I look up to her very much. She and her family have been through a season which a lot of people have experienced, uh, but considerably less people discuss publicly, and that's infertility. I know this is a very sensitive topic. Many of us know the roller coaster cycle of our hopes and greatest desires for children being determined through appointments and expensive and emotionally exhausting treatments. So at some point, Amanda and her family accepted that they were gonna be a one-child household. And she can lament at what has been and what will never be, and she should. It's unspeakably hard. At the same time, I so admire Amanda because she has chosen to lean into the season she finds herself in. Now I'm paraphrasing here, but I've heard her say that if, she isn't, if God isn't gonna make her be a mother of two or three or four, then she's gonna be queen of the aunties. The last two summers, she's taken care of not only her son, but her other five nephews and one niece for a week of what she calls cousin camp. They got matching t-shirts. Look at this. She, she takes them all in for a week. So it's Aunt Amanda season, baby. She can lament what she lacks, but she can simultaneously lean into what she does have. And I just love this so much. It's incredible to see the love she has for her nephews and her lone niece, our Betsy, in their coordinated number shirts, 
in, in, in their swimming trips and all the crafts. They've got like a full schedule, sleepovers, all the amazing experiences and memories that she's going to give to her family for a lifetime. So friends, I invite you to consider what milestones have been in your life. What's next? Lament what has been and lean into what is. What is it that you need to lament? Have you ever sat down and actually counted things that you've lost? What has been and what will never be? And after that, how can you lean into what is? What is it that God may have for you in this season on your way to your next milestone? We defined a season as a period of time. Scripture tells us to not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And so all of this, whatever season we're in, God is over and above. We may experience seasons for a long time or a short time. Seasons may change in our lives rapidly or gradually. They may be the result of our choices or the choices of others. The circumstances determining our season, they may be within our control or outside of our control. How God blesses or withholds, affirms or denies is often mysterious. But friends, we can trust that under heaven there is a season and a time for every purpose and that God is over it all. Then we can say with the psalmist, my times are in your hands. Friends, may God bless you in this season and everyone to come. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, for the chance to be together in your presence, wherever we find ourselves. God, our times are in your hands. So whether we need to lament what we've lost and, and face that reality and give that over to you, I ask that you would help us do that in these moments of worship. Or as we're stepping into a new season, God, I pray that you would give us the faith and the courage to move forward knowing that you are with us. That we can find a lot to celebrate and that the possibilities with you are endless. God, help us to love and acknowledge and trust you in every season. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.